Got a packed show today as Libby Emmons from the Post Millennial joins me to break down all the latest on Daryl Brooks and Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. But first, I want to remind you that America Fest tickets are on sale. That's amfest.com. Now, we don't know right now if Elon Musk is going to be there, but here's who will. Charlie Kirk, Tucker Carlson, Steve Bannon, Benny Johnson, myself, Senator Josh Hawley, and the great Tim Poole himself, along with Candace Owens and the one, the only Mike Lindell. If you want to receive 25% off your tickets, go to amfest.com and utilize promo code POSO, P-O-S-O. Doesn't matter. I've checked this, by the way. All caps, no caps, some caps. It all works. P-O-S-O is the promo code you need. I guess my request would be because of the concern of this to look at uh, a mistrial or at the very least a a discharge of of the jury at this time so this can be resolved. This 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 is alarming to say the least. Um, This Post and I, I don't know what Reddit is. To be honest, I, I've never heard of it or used it, so I, I don't know the extent of. It's almost like this could be like a snowball type of thing. It can, it can start with something that that's this small, and then it can snowball out of control into something totally different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. It is October twenty sixth, twenty twenty two, Anno Domini, and I am joined by the editor-in-chief of the post-millennial Libby Emmons to discuss today's news. Libby, so what we're hearing here is Daryl Brooks, he's just been found guilty on six counts of first-degree murder, one of which, of course, was for an eight-year-old boy, Jackson Sparks. But according to reporting from yourself over at Post Millennial and your team there, he's asking for a mistrial over a Reddit post. What is going on with this case? Yeah, so this case has been a a mockery of justice since the beginning, since uh, Mr. Brooks was allowed to represent himself here. And this Reddit post was from someone who claimed to be a juror in the case who was reporting that the judge was biased and um, was not fit to be um, you know, adjudicating the case. So Brooks brought this into the courtroom. And there was an investigation. The judge said that the, they did not believe that the post was legitimate or from anyone on the jury pool. But it was another piece of hijinks in this case that if you know what happened, if you know what Mr. Brooks is accused of, it's really been a tragedy to see um, not only the crimes committed, but how poorly this case has been handled just across the board in terms of respect for the victims and their families. Well, and and what got me, though, was and, you know, a little behind the scenes uh, last night. So I'm I'm driving home from Wawa. We've got Jack Jack. We're at a red light. I, I see this is going on. I get a phone call from someone who's watching the case. I call you because on this Reddit page, on this Reddit page, there's actually a post from the moderator of the Reddit forum. So that's called a subreddit, this group, which, of course, is justice for Daryl, which 
of course, it's Reddit. You can find groups that support everything. So here you have a group that supports Daryl Brooks, the man who just intentionally murdered an entire parade of people. He crashed into them. First, he declared it was a, a malfunction. Now he's saying that, you know, there's some Reddit posts. Well, here's what the moderator on Reddit wrote. And this is their account name is Black Justice Forever. They're the moderators, which means they're one of the creators and admins of this group claimed that the user has submitted proof that he is a juror on this case for reasons of anonymity and the integrity of the trial we're not going to disclose, but we are very confident to the authenticity of this user's claims. Now, I checked earlier today, that Reddit page has been completely banned, completely taken down. But what does it say to us now, Libby, that things like this, things that take place on Reddit in the virtual space are now infiltrating our courtrooms? Well, I think it's very interesting because we hear a lot about how Twitter is not real life and how what happens online is not real life. And I don't think that that's something we can legitimately say anymore. Human beings, especially in the first world, uh, perhaps in the rest as well, but we are glued to our devices. We have wearables, we have our phones that may as well just be a, you know, an extension of our hands at this point. So what happens online is real life. It is part of what's going on. It is part of what's happening in our imaginations as well. Twitter, for lack of a better comparison, is our collective imagination. It's where we hash out all kinds of ideas. Reddit is a sort of dirty little sub corner where we do similar things. Oh, it's dirty. All right. It's very, it's dirty. Dirty. I, you, you get a lot of like the ex Tumblr people that are now on Reddit. And if you want to, by the way, if you want to give yourself nightmare fuel, just go to Google images and run a Google image search on Reddit meetup. And uh, you'll, you'll see what I mean. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Probably. probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I don't, I don't recommend yeah. it, but yeah. the other piece that I wanted to get into on this case, and I know you were watching it post plenty was covering it. And I was looking for this as well was if you remember in the in the aftermath of this horrific and I say it was an attack, I still say that it was an attack and Wikipedia said it tried to say it was a car accident. CNN has, of course, had the headline SUV crashes into crowd, not, you know, man, you know, driver crashes in. Mm -hmm. There was this narrative by the mainstream media and every media outlet picked it up early on saying that he was being chased by police and he accidentally drove into this parade. Well, he just represented himself. As you pointed out, it's a mockery of justice. I don't remember hearing that narrative ever being brought up in court. You think that he at least would have mentioned it as a potential defense. The media never had any evidence that this existed whatsoever, but it was used at the time to dampen everyone's attention and to stop people focusing on what Waukesha was a, a hardened criminal who had a history of anti-white statements, anti-Semitic statements as well on Facebook, crashing into a Christmas parade in the Midwest in a city, by the way, that he didn't even live in. Yeah, I remember that narrative as well. And it definitely was another one of these hoaxes that was pushed out by biased media that really wants to paint a picture that our country is racist and horribly evil against anyone who's not white. And it did not play out and it did not turn out to be true in court. We saw, you know, all of the stuff about the guy who gave him a sandwich, caught it on his his, his ring camera and all yeah. of this. Yeah. So I, I really think that. Come on in, partner. Come yeah. on in. I'll make you a sandwich. Sit on my couch. Do you need a jacket? Right. Is yeah, it like, what was it? 10 at night? to be an extension of the 2020 summer of riots when everyone was so pro BLM 
and pro all of this rioting and trying to destroy the entirety of the United States, destroy all of our cities in an effort to, you know, I don't know, create something that we don't have. We have equality under the law. We have opportunity for everyone. Um, we're not always the, the, you know, perfect, but we're certainly way better than all of the rest. And I think that it was really a crime on behalf of the media for doing that. They did the same thing with Kyle Rittenhouse. They constructed a narrative, they ran with it. And then even when it was proved wrong, they didn't walk back there claims. Yeah, exactly. And Kyle Rittenhouse, obviously just down the road in Kenosha where it was burned, mm -hmm. by the way, again, over a media lie because Jacob Blake was armed when he charged police. Jacob Blake never was, by the way, still alive, even though the media says that he passed away. Coming up on our first break, stick it with it here because we've got a few more stories that I want to get breakdown with Libby Emmons. Tweet to us your comments, your questions about this case at Human Events Pod. But the one question I did want to answer the death penalty, not on the books in Wisconsin for almost 200 years, going back to the 1800s. So not a chance that's going to happen. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A report recently came out that American household net income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter of this year. That's the most on record. We already know that the administration is doing everything in their power to keep you in the dark until after the midterms, which begs the question, What's going to happen when there's no incentive to hold back? That's why so many of you have taken my advice and protected your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwithposo.com and get their best offer yet, up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them that Poso sent you. We cannot control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwithposo.com. That's protectwithposo.com. Link in the description. Then I think Twitter needs to be much more even-handed. It, it currently has a strong left bias uh, because it's, it's based in San Francisco. Uh, I don't think the people that they're necessarily intend, I, or at least perhaps some of them don't intend, to to have a left bias. They just, from their perspective, uh, it seems moderate, but they're just coming at it from a, 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 an environment that is that is very far left. So, um, but but then this 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 fails to build trust in to, in the rest of the United States and and also in perhaps in other parts of the world uh, because. Uh, you, Twitter needs to be even-handed. I, I don't think this is a, a situation where you're going to get necessarily a lot of praise. <laughs> you're just gonna you're just gonna balance the anger. <laughs> balance the anger. So it looks like um, referring to creditors making announcements. Elon Musk set to take over Twitter this Friday, potentially as early as this Friday. We're also hearing reports that he may personally serve as CEO or at least a limited position or for a limited time in order to really right the ship in terms of Twitter. When we're also seeing, and Axios says the headline, that more broadly, corporate America is lawyering up. They're switching their lobbyists out. They're going to those firms that have ties with conservatives because they know that the House is about to switch. Libby, here's my question. And I asked uh, Darren Beatty this recently as well in an interview. There's this idea that Elon Musk might be able to change Twitter and save free speech as we know it on the internet. Uh, should we be putting all of our eggs in the Elon Musk basket? 
or should you know can we trust him to do this or is he really going to get a step up there and make these grandiose statements but not actually deliver what do you think is your take on on how this friday is going to go down i think it's pretty interesting and i do think that there have been a lot of conservatives who have been uh, excited about elon musk's takeover uh, anticipating that perhaps he would um, re- remove some of the high-profile bans on a lot of conservative accounts that have happened. And I think that that could be really interesting. It could open the platform up again to be more of a bastion of free discourse, and that would be great. As far as trust, I don't know if trust is a word that I would use as regards to my relationship with massive social media entities. I don't trust Facebook. I don't trust Twitter uh, in terms of holding up my rights or, um, you know, any real moral value or anything like that. And I don't think that we should. I think that we should constantly be keeping these entities on trust but verify. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, especially when when it comes to Elon, because, you know, I'll put it this way. I've never considered myself like an Elon fanboy. If he's able to do this, if he does pull it off, then of course I would congratulate him for that. But at the same time, I look at these things, these other businesses that he's involved in, Tesla, which gets massive government tax credits, um, that's also very beholden to the ESG system that's still out there. I also see SpaceX, I see Starlink. Obviously, these are businesses that need to be run with the ascent of the federal government in many cases. And so they have the ability to put a lot of pressure on him, a lot of squeeze on him. And you saw that last week when there was this this narrative. And of course, the White House has said it totally not true that they were potentially considering a national security review of his businesses based on his acquisition of Twitter. So it's almost like they floated that balloon just as sort of a shot across the bow, you know, metaphorically as a hey, man, just just pay attention. We're the ones who sign your checks and don't forget it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what that was. And I think that I have a lot of respect for what Elon Musk has done in terms of being entrepreneurial and creating new areas of enterprise. I'm a big believer in space exploration. And so I love what he's done with that. It will be interesting to see what happens with Twitter. And I think the other thing, too, that we forget is that Twitter has become such a huge mainstay of public discourse that it would be a shame were it to be beholden to any special interests at all, were it to be partisan in one direction or the other. We saw that as it became more and more leftist, and we saw that this did not create an open forum, and an open forum is what Americans need. We're talking to each other across the country on social media platforms. And it's fascinating to see how ideas move and move from Twitter out into the rest of the online media space, which is, of course, what we're talking about. Um, Yeah, and I, I think that the more free speech on the platform, the better. And it will be interesting to see what happens to all of the leftists who don't like it if they're going to move to well, this their piece as well you know and, and i want to bring it up before we um before we go to break here but this idea that these fortune 500 companies they're lawyering up because not only do they want to have influence with the new congress but we're also get hearing uh there's companies and axios has the headline they don't go deep into it but they're saying that lobbyists with holland and knight some of these huge k street firms um hogan lavelle's and Aaron Cutler, the head of the head of congressional investigations, 
on K Street. They're looking at potential investigations that a new house might come up with. I got to tell you, I really think that one of those has everything to do with EcoHealth Alliance, the NIH, pharmaceutical companies, right? Things that are going to be investigated. When Senator Rand Paul was on this program, he specifically said he's going to appoint a special investigator to look at Dr. Fauci and to look at his relationship, not only with Wuhan, China, the lab there, but also with Big Pharma, whether or not he was financially benefiting because of that relationship. Uh, they they think this thing's in the bag. They think this is happening and that next year we're actually going to see serious investigations, which is a little bit different when you when you're talking about conservatives, isn't it? Yeah, it is different. We've heard Marjorie Taylor Greene say that she had some things she wanted to have investigated and Jim Jordan as well. And when I've asked uh, representatives about this as to why they would seek investigations as opposed to just working on policy, they've said that the president is in the White House. Um, he's a Democrat. He's unlikely to approve legislation that is led from a Republican Congress or a conservative Congress. Um, and that um they see their role as digging in, as getting those investigations done and exposing the corruption that they feel has been going on. Well, so the last time these guys had the house, they impeached they impeached Trump over, by the way, a perfect phone call uh, with right. none other than Vladimir Zelensky. But this idea that, you know, oh, we you know, we should just work together in Kumbaya. No way. You, you guys just impeached our president. Uh, the last time you had power and all we're talking about is go digging on pharma, digging on big tech, digging in some of these other things. Um, and by the way, Media Matters got very mad at me last week when I said they should keep the January 6th committee open or appoint a new one and then bring in as his new chief investigator, none other than Darren J. Beatty. <laughs> right. Well, it's pretty interesting, too, because uh, the two uh, members of the January 6th committee, um, Cheney and Kinzinger, are both on their way out. So, so sad. And you also so sad. Had yeah, and you had the DOJ, I think, ask for another $34 million to continue working on that committee or something like that. So what's going to happen? Is it just going to be a straight up partisan committee? What kind of committee is so that, that going committee, to So that committee, believe it or not, um, and we're, we're closing out the segment here, but that committee is a select committee, which means it's only mm -hmm. set up for one Congress. So if the GOP or the new Congress wants to continue it, they would have to start a new committee. Stick with us right here. Send us your comments. Human Events Pod coming up next with Libby Emmons from Post Millennial. In Ukraine, with potentially hundreds of thousands of people dying, we must demand the immediate negotiation of a peaceful end to the war in Ukraine, or we will end up in World War III, and there will be nothing left of our planet all because stupid people didn't have a clue. They didn't have a clue. They don't understand. They really don't understand. I rebuilt our military. I rebuilt our nuclear power. They don't understand what they're dealing with, the power of nuclear. They have no idea what they're doing. I withdrew from the disastrous Iran nuclear deal. So when you're hearing President Trump there talk about World War III and the fact that we're looking at World War III going into it, you think, could we have a discussion about this? Could we talk about this a little bit? And at the same time, you just saw the House progressives so, you know, supposedly the anti-war wing of the Democrat Party come out and say, well, you know, we're not we're not for this. We're going to put forward a letter. They float this diplomatic path. Everybody signs off on it. They pull back the thing and in a humiliating defeat. They pull it back. They start blaming it on their staff. Uh, Congresswoman Jayapal says, oh, you know, we didn't vet this thing properly. 
Libby, what the heck happened here? Well, I think what happened here is that these progressive representatives are essentially anti-war. They expressed that interest of uh, not pursuing a war in this letter, and they didn't release it under pressure from the rest of their party. And it got released, and now they feel a little ashamed about it um, because it turns out that they're just as interested in towing the party line as you know anybody else in Congress who feels beholden to the leadership of their party. I think it's actually rather sad when I first saw about this letter, I was sort of excited. You know, I'm um, generally anti-war. That's been a position I've held my entire life. You know, I don't think it's that radical to be opposed to uh, major multinational violence necessarily. Uh, and I thought that this was interesting. Um, I think it's a shame that they walked it back and that they are no longer interested in telling. Yeah, it's like the stand your ground, right? Yeah. You know, actually come out there and have the disagreement, have the debate. You know, it's one of the reasons why you know, we were just chatting during the the break here that Reckiata Law had something like twenty six thousand concurrence <laughs> watching this Daryl Brooks trial, and why, right? Because court cases have become one of the last places in the United States that are not censored, at least in terms of the local ones that they show on TV, and you can actually get both sides of an argument to discuss things. And then, of course, the, the verdict is, is what hangs in the balance. You don't see this. You don't see it intraparty. You don't see it externally anymore. Uh, you, you've got people that won't even sit down and have these discussions on TV shows or they try to get canceled. This is the problem when you allow censorship into a system, because when mm -hmm. once you allow censorship, you shut down the ability for any of these voices to be heard. So, you know, if you or I come out um, and say, well, we should we should, you know, possibly negotiate. We should or Elon Musk goes out and tries to negotiate, puts up a tweet about saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe Russia can have Crimea, but everybody else goes back to to the the origin. Oh, well, he's a Putin puppet and he's he's disastrous. And how dare he tweet something like that? And he's pure evil when obviously I think to everybody, he's just trying to find a peaceful way to go over this dispute the same way with these progressives. And yet at the same time, you are not allowed to have conversations anymore. Right. And it's so upsetting that, as you said, we're not allowed to have conversations about something as huge as a war uh, that that the entire American public is supposed to get on board with sending a whole massive ton of cash and armaments to Ukraine is just insane. I don't know where everyone decided that we're all going to put Ukraine flags up and just get behind this thing as though it's perfectly natural and normal when we see all of the crazy things that are going on in our own country and we're supposed to ignore those in favor of sending weapons to Ukraine. And we also have Joe Biden, who is a very anti-gun president, yet he is very pro-manufacturing arms when we're going to send them to other countries. Let's That's a good point. You know, when, when, when I looked at this, and I, I remember when... Um, my brother and I went to Ukraine and then we did that sort of review interview afterwards about what it was like. And and Kevin had that great point here where he said, you know, we've got Ukraine flags all over the United States. But when I was in Ukraine, I didn't see one American flag. You know, who's who's fighting for us? Who's fighting for for our people? And and we're not. And the people that we're helping, they're not focused on that either. So what about the people? You know, I was just in Louisiana. We went out to Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, you know, I was up in Erie, Pennsylvania recently. I've gone all across the country. And the question is, 
who is actually helping the people that live in the great middle of the United States? Who's helping American children when it comes to these forced vaccines that we find out don't even do the thing that they're supposed to do, that they were marketed to do. Um, ben Shapiro's come out and it, and said this. We've had so many people saying, look, finally, finally, we can just admit what the data all showed. Governor DeSantis was big on it early on a year ago and was attacked mercilessly for this, for saying these vaccines do not stop the spread. They never did. And yet at the same time, we're told that we're getting forced to do this again. And at some point, and you know, I'll and have to close with this because we're, we're running out of time. At some point, the current thing becomes just a little bit too much. Libby Evans, what do you want to, uh, do you have anything to promote? Where can people find you? Where can people get access to your work? I just want to say also test scores are down across the country. Our kids are suffering. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah. Uh, my name's Libby Evans. As you know, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Post Millennial. You can find great stories up there every day at thepostmillennial.com. Also, I'm going to be on Tim Pool's podcast for two nights, November 7th and 8th, if you want to tune in. And I'm at uh, Libby Emmons on Twitter. Thank you. Incredible. Yeah. I'm trying to get on Tim at some point before, uh, uh, before the end of the season, but we are trying to make it out because the schedule has been absolutely insane. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what comes next. Our promise, our oath, our solemn vow to you. Be good, be brief, be gone. Your homework for us. Share this out with one, just one of your normie friends, and then leave us your five-star review. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Really got to put out there that I think the theme of today's episode was this idea that we should have dialogue, that we should have the ability to have conversations between one another again, whether it's the left, whether it's the right, whether it's people that, you know, no two people will ever agree 100% on anything unless one of them is lying. This Sunday, we've got Dr. Taylor Marshall, very excited for a Halloween special all about the Christian origins of Halloween, the occult, paganism, exorcism, everything you ever wanted to know is going to be coming up on this episode. So make sure you check this out. And then, of course, last last week, go back and listen to our old Sunday specials because Alex Jones, the truth about Alex Jones, everything that he went through with this case, the Sandy Hook trial, how he's turned towards the Bible, how he's found God so much out. And then I think we have one more episode. Yeah, one more episode left of Border Battle. Salem Now, go to SalemNow.com. You can check out Border Battle Episode 6. We'll be dropping this Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, tweet to us at Human Events Pod. And remember, as always, you have my permission to lay a short.